Welcome back, everybody, to the Star Wars podcast, where we talk all things Marvel and Star Wars. Please take a moment to check our show notes to find our social media, merch, and more. Today, we are recapping Andor Episode 5 in full spoiler details. So if you haven't seen the episode, I would get out of here. And I'm here with my favorite pepper tree farmer, Greg Dunlap. Greg, how's it going? I'm just sitting over here moping into my uh, cereal and blue milk right now. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Yes, uh, Greg, I don't know what I did this week. I believe we had a conversation. I believe I jinxed us, right? Uh, I, I, I was getting you all, I was getting you all scheduled up for the podcast. I said, look, this should be the good one. We're going to get the heist and uh, it's not going to be just another training episode. But here we are. It was one long training montage, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, my my worst my worst fear was that it was going to be a, a cliffhanger. Like, we would get into the heist, and then something would go terribly wrong, and they'd cut it, right? I had no idea we would not be into the heist still one more episode ago. And it's like, it's pretty. it was pretty surprising. I was very surprised. Yeah, Greg, this one just did not do it for me. I mean, I feel like they're really, like, it's so tough because... You know, Tommy and I are always talking about like the links of these series and sometimes yeah. they're too short. And this one, like I was so excited because I was like, OK, finally, we're getting like a 12 episode series. It's going to be packed full of content. But like it really this just like elongated everything that we've already seen before. Um, I think I think we did grow to know some of these characters a bit more, which I do appreciate going into the highest. Like they're not just a bunch of like red shirts that are going to die in this heist. Like they're like, I, I know who they are a little bit more, which I do appreciate that. But other than that, like the stuff between Cyril, the stuff with uh, Mon Mothma there, a lot of it was just like uh, going through the motions for me. I mean, it's pretty clear they're setting up threads that we can all hope are going to pay off at the end. And it's kind of interesting, like the surreal thing. I think there are a lot of different ways it can go. And, you know, I'm kind of not sure where that I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I'm not sure where it's going to end up. But I mean, it has been a long setup for sure. I do kind of like I know that last week you were talking about how you wish it was just a movie or like a mini series of three movies or something like that. And I can totally see that. But I will say, on the other hand, like I thought that Obi-Wan was too quick. Like I thought they like tried to jam too much into too little. And I will take I will take spreading it out a little all day over trying to jam too much into ch too short a time. So it's like I think, you know, it's well done. It's good. You know, the characters are interesting. There's nobody I'm sitting around wishing they would shut up and get on with it. And, and you know, I've been into it. I haven't been taken out of it. So I can't complain, really, even though, you know, I think you're kind of right. So a friend of the show, uh, Robbie Freeman, and I always have this conversation about, you know, do you prefer the bingeable format or the week to week format? And I think it's very dependent on the TV show. And maybe that's yeah. my bigger problem, uh, because when we had the first three episodes, yes, the, the first two especially were absolute slow burns. But I didn't really feel it because I was just continuing on with the story. And now I wonder if like this would have been better served to be just dropped all at once or, or maybe two episodes a week or something, you know, something that like, uh, you know, may maybe we get this episode and then the highest episode. And like, you don't really notice like uh, some of the slower moments. I don't know. Just brainstorming. I don't think Disney would ever do it, but. No, I think you're right. Like if they had dropped these five all together and we had rolled right through them, I think it would work much better and we wouldn't necessarily be feeling like, oh, come on, get on with it the way that we are now. I also think that if they had done that, they probably would have tightened them up a little bit because, you know, 
if they're if they're trying to spread out the story a little over 12 episodes or whatever like like i think i think they just would have i think they would have gotten a little uh, they would have gotten to things in maybe four episodes instead of five and then you drop all four at once and then you're ready to go you know i think i think there's some validity to that yeah just a you know little rearranging you know um yeah. uh, i again i i've really i i said this last week as well i think the writing in this show is just so like eerily good like it's something oh, yeah like especially you know uh greg i know you're not a big marvel guy but talking about some of those shows it can get exhausting and trying to like even defend uh, some of the choices they make um but this is like it's just so rich like and as much as i complain about like the slow burn and like you know nothing really happened like just hearing these people have conversations it's it's like verbal warfare sometimes and it's really fascinating to me I think one of the reasons why that is, is because they're new characters to us largely. You know, it's not like you come in with these expectations of what Obi-Wan is or what Luke Skywalker is or anything like that. I mean, Mandalorian's kind of the same way, right? We had a brand new character who they could turn into what they wanted without having to be like, oh, Obi-Wan would never do this or everyone's expectations of what that character will do, which I think cheapens them a little bit sometimes. You know, they kind of become caricatures a little bit. And... And, 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 you know, I think that's really great about this, but I think the other thing I really like about this is it's just like, it's really getting into how people live under the empire, like normal people, not Jedis or not people in the rebellion, but just like seeing how normal people suffer under the empire day to day and the things that they have to go through to survive. And I'm, I think that's totally rad. Like I'm into, I'm into seeing all of that stuff. Like, like I've said for a long time, I want to get out of the Skywalker stories and find new stories in the universe. And then the fact that they're doing that, I think is really, really cool. Even though, even though Cassian Andor is a character that we're familiar with, and have been introduced to you know he's not somebody with the backstory of like a lot of the other characters and i think that's i think that's one of the things that allows them to make it really rich yeah it, it is such an anomaly because you know i feel like that uh, this is not something we typically get of uh, like this very minor character honestly like mm -hmm. um he's getting his own tv show he's getting 12 episodes like the fact that they're getting 12 episodes uh kenobi only got six like it's so wild to me that like this is even happening i'm glad i think it's a step in the right direction i think it's you know i think their big thing is like you know, people people are coming for Star Wars. Star Wars equals, uh, you know, Skywalker or Han Solo. And if they're not in this movie, then people are going to come see it. But I think by like slowly introducing this stuff to a more general audience, uh, people are much more willing to be like, okay, it's not really about these characters. It's about this world. And um, I do have one more complaint. Um, you kind of talking about, and then just before we get into the episode, I'll try to get all my gripes out now. Um, <laughs> I do appreciate seeing like just a normal person and we're seeing like both end of the spectrum too. We're seeing mm -hmm. people uh, at the very bottom who are like here for revenge and like, this is just like their life now. And then you also see people like Mon Mothma who are like at the top and like, and it shows like you can get to this great point. You can have like these drivers, this flashy vehicle, and uh, it's still not great either. Um, I think the biggest thing that's missing mostly in the series, but a lot in this episode Characters are all about choices to me. I think characters are the most interesting when you can define them by choices that they make. And I feel like this episode lacked a lot of that. The strongest point of choice uh, in this episode is between Andor and Skeen. They both make a couple choices that's interesting to me. But other than that, especially like I mentioned when you're cutting back to like Luthen and mm -hmm. there's like, 
yeah, we're kind of like, okay, let's see what they're doing. But it's like, I don't, there's nothing intriguing about what they're doing that helps grow their character for me. I don't know. That's, that's no, I think, I think that's true. I mean, you look at like Cyril and he's dealing with the consequences of a choice he made earlier, but in this, in this episode, like nothing's really happening to him. He's like getting berated by his mom and he's embarrassed to be alive and moping into his cereal, but he's not really doing anything. It's just like setting him up for obviously something he's going to do down the road. And, and uh, Luthen and Mamathma were kind of the same way. It's like they're dealing with the ramifications of choices they've already made and waiting for the ramifications, but they're not actually doing anything. You're right. You're right about that for sure. Yeah. Well, so you bring up Sorrel. I think that's where we start off in the episode. So we can mm-hmm. dive in there. And actually I have my notes structured a little bit uh, in that, like, you know, for instance, the Cyril cell. I believe we get three different scenes of Cyril. And each time I was like, I have nothing to write down about the second two. We'll just talk about it all at once. Uh, yeah. so I want to talk about like Cyril in this episode as a whole. And we get introduced to his mother, which is a, a lovely character. Just like so much fun. <laughs> uh, reminds me of my mother and my grandmother. Uh, like just so much. She says this. This is one of my favorite things. You might as well wear a sign that says... I promise to disappoint you. <laughs> about the Andor creators? I don't know. That's not up for me to decide. Uh, but yeah, what did you think about uh, his mother and like a lot of the stuff going on in this episode involving him? It's interesting because it really, like, I think I described Cyril to you after the first three episodes as like a toady. And he's like, he's like a guy who tries so hard to be important and clearly constantly fails. Right. And, and this is just like, obviously him coming to face with another situation like that and having his mom tell him too. It's like, it's like, you know, Oh, I'm a big wig with corporate security. And now I'm going back to my mom. Who's telling me I'm an embarrassment. You know, it's, it's, I mean, from that perspective, it really does set up how low he's sunk. But I think again, the interesting thing is, what is the result of him having sunk that low going to be? And and I think I feel like there's a couple of ways that could go. Yeah. And what's so interesting to me is almost like I, I, I totally they totally set us up to where like he is clearly distraught. Right. Um, but you don't fully like uh, like. Yes, he's like back at home with his mom. That's very sad. It's like, what? what is the level? Like, where does he still stand with all this? Because you don't even get his thought process a lot. It's a lot of his mom nagging at him. Um, but it's not till the like towards the end. And it's kind of weird how they edit this in. Like, they kind of just threw this in at a weird point. Whatever. But they they show him looking at the hologram of Andor. And, and that kind of just answers all the questions that he had before. It's like his mom is so worried about what his future prospects are. And he's like completely checked out. And you know now that's all he's thinking about. All he's thinking about is Andor. And uh, he's coming for him one way or another. I feel like that could go a couple of ways because it's like, sure, he sees Andor as his downfall and the cause of his downfall. But he could also be like, you know, he he's very convinced he was doing the right thing when he went after Andor, right? And he feels that it was the corporation that was failing him by telling him to, you know, sweep this aside. It doesn't matter. These two guys were jerks anyways. Let them be dead and forget about it. And, you know, he he feels that the loyalty of the corporation failed him. So I wonder really, like, how this is going to play out. Like, is this going to play out that 
he turns against the corporation or is this going to turn into he goes after Andor and tries to take him back to prove his worth or, or that he's going to kill Andor for for causing his life to be in, you know, shambles or what? I I'm I think it's interesting the different ways that could go. I don't know if you have any theories about that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, how exactly he goes about it. I, I kind of feel like he's just going to go rogue here. Uh, I feel mm -hmm. like uh kind of like you said i think he i don't even know that it's like wanting to prove his worth anymore i don't think he's so much i don't know it's, it's tough to say because he did like his job a lot you know he like tailored his right. suit like he was really feeling his position um but it does feel a lot more personal now like it feels like uh, and i talked about this uh in our first podcast about the show he he's not totally in the wrong and or killed no. his buddies yeah. and like yeah, he's like sure justice needs to be brought to this man and he tries to bring justice and it doesn't happen it's like it's such a personal thing to him at this point right um i, I think that's what this is going to be all about and it's going to be uh super interesting to track yeah but i wonder how it's going to turn out it's like even in that first mission when when they ask him to say some inspiring words to the soldiers and he just kind of stumbles and is any and is and embarrasses himself yet again it's like I don't have any evidence that he's going to successfully in any way, shape or form do this. So it's like, I wonder how this is going to play out. Like, is he just going to be, it, it can't be that he's just a bumbling idiot the whole time and, and or kills him. And that's the end of the story. It's like, that doesn't work, you know? So like, where does this go? I'm really curious. And that's what we've kind of talked about. Uh, uh, people on the podcast have said that they think that he could just go good altogether. It's kind of right. hard for me to right. see. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. My my favorite aspect of this relationship is that Andor doesn't even know about this oh, guy, yeah. basically. <laughs> and like, yeah. like this is Cyril's like entire thought process at this point is about Andor. And Andor, if you said Cyril Karn, he would like, okay, I don't know who that is. Right. So. And, I, mean, I mean, and you know, I'm sure we'll get to this, but this is the same thing with Dedra, right? Uh, I or did I pronounce that wrong? Is it Dedra? I'm not sure. I think sure. it's Debra. Debra. I um, and it's like, and that and that whole thing's going on too, and he has no idea this whole path of things is happening either. It's like all of this stuff is going to come together at some point. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be fun to see. I want to move on here to uh, our our first scene with Andor. Andor wakes up and he catches a uh, skein going through his bag. Um, they have uh, conversations here. Uh, he's like showing off his tattoos. Um, I, I, I didn't look up what they mean, but they mean something. Um, but yeah, Skeen is such a little punk this episode. Like, he is just dead set on Andor. And, may, and maybe for maybe he's right in the fact that, you know, he's not there for the same reasons as everyone else. And he can sense that a little bit. But man, he is like real, like going through his bag. I don't know. This is like a survivor problem now. <laughs> I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard because you understand that they don't trust the guy and they don't know why he's there. And they, and you know, they know each other. They all know each other very well. They've been planning this for months and they don't know why he's here. And so I can understand they want to know more about him, but that you're right. That is kind of a, a punk move to like, just go through the dude's bags rather than just have a conversation with the guy. Although, I mean, I guess they've kind of been trying to, and it's not really gone anywhere. I mean, what's he going to say? Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, not a whole lot to be said there. We cut back here to um, Mon Mothma, who is at the dinner table, and we meet um, we meet Alita Mothma, which is her daughter. It's so interesting to like get into the nitty gritty of 
Mon Mothma's life. Um, because he's got she's got this like really bratty daughter that like she was so rude to her. I felt so bad for Mon Mothma here. And of course the dad doesn't stick up. I don't even know actually uh I don't have it in my notes. I don't even know. Apparently Mon Mothma was supposed to take her somewhere and she's like, No, I want to go with yeah. dad. And uh yeah. Again, it's like I don't really know what's happening. It's just I guess building out her family a little bit more. Yeah, it's like in some ways that scene makes, you know, Mon Mothma look as pathetic as Cyril, you know. It's like they've both got these families that are just like kind of despise them, you know. Uh the dynamic between Mon Mothma and her husband is like bad, obviously. It's clear that there's a lot of resentment in that family. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look healthy at all. We'll get into no. some of the comments <laughs> later on. Um but Okay, we'll put a pen on that. We'll go back to um, our our little team here. And they are sitting by the campfire drinking uh, Dre milk. I had no idea what that is. Uh, there's some comments about it. Like, you could live off this stuff, but you might regret it. Um, I forget the younger guy's name, but he's showing off. Like, he's got, like, some old-school navigation controls. We find out he's writing a memoir. Um, again, just kind of... Uh, and if anything, for this episode, I feel like I will appreciate next week having just learned a little bit more about these people yeah i wrote down um that that guy is the nerdy kid who's going to die in the next episode that's my <laughs> prediction because it's like i think i think I, th I feel like that's just like a such a classic trope like you get this nerdy innocent guy who's like dedicated to the cause and wants to do everything and then they're the ones who gets killed and everybody's like oh my god the innocent you know, person who was so dedicated to the cause is the one who died. What a horrible tragedy. It just feels like they're just like setting that up right now. Man, I really think you hit the nail on the head with this one. I didn't even really consider <laughs> it. But now I'm thinking about basically everything he says in this episode when he's talking about his memoirs. Oh, he's, like, he's like, well, I have so much more life to live. I realize that. And it's like, oh, do you? I don't know. We'll see next week. <laughs> it's not looking great. I literally wrote down the nerdy kid who's going to die in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not looking great. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so there's another conversation here in their tent, and um, Vel is questioning him about, I guess there's like this ship they're going to steal, and uh, she's like questioning him, like, I guess Andor thinks that uh, he's being quizzed, and he's right. like, well, what are you doing? It's like, you trust me or you don't, but then we kind of find out that like, they don't even know what they're talking about. They're just trying to like figure out what the plan is, and yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's like it definitely it definitely feels like they're trying to at first like they're trying to poke holes to see if he really knows about piloting or whatever, you know. But um but when you find out that like this is, you know, for somebody for a group that's been planning for months and then all of a sudden they've got this thing that they're stuck with and they don't know how to fix, it's like it's like, you know, they're they kind of got, you know, they kind of got their asses saved by the fact that he was there, you know. Yeah, and they they even uh uh, Andor is like, what would you have done if I wasn't here? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> they're like, well, we would have figured it out. Would have figured it out. Yeah, exactly. You would have figured it out. You would have crashed and died. I feel like this is a bad omen for the heist. Like, uh, I, and there's a lot of this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but there's a lot of secretive stuff going on with yeah. this involving the women of the crew, which apparently aren't actually part of the actual heist. Mm -hmm. um, I, they even get the quote, like, or, or Andrew's like, well, what are you guys going to be doing while we're marching up there? He's like, that, but you don't have to worry about that. It has nothing to do with you. And then they leave at the end of the episode. What's going on here? I have no idea. I mean, 
I mean, clearly the heist is not going to go off as planned. I think that's all pretty much a given, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's no way in the middle of this series that they're going to pull off the greatest heist in the, in the history of the universe, return home, rich people to the rebels and walk off and walk off into the sunset. So, um, but I do think the thing of like what their role is, is interesting. Like there's a possibility they could be kind of a suicide squad of some kind, like setting, like, like, you know, they're not telling anybody what their role is because they don't want people to try and talk them out of it or something, you know, or like maybe because they talk about this whole thing about how after they launch the ship, they'll have eight minutes before the TIE fighters catch up with them. And so maybe there's something about that side, like they're taking care of the TIE fighters in some way or something. Um, but yeah, who, who, I don't know. Yeah, it's so weird. It's really got me wondering. Um, and there, there's been so much mystery surrounding Bell in general, uh, right. especially like obviously she's not willing to share too much with Andor, but like her connection with Luthen's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, a lot of mystery. And I, I can't even really predict how it's going to go. And I, I do like that. I, I feel like we have kind of mentioned some things are kind of leading to mm -hmm. uh, probably a more predictable path. But this is one I don't I couldn't tell you. Does, well, I, I'm not I'm not as familiar with the Star Wars lore as you are, but Luthen was not a known character in the Star Wars universe in in any other um, canonical um, properties, was he? Yes. Yeah, so uh, this is interesting because I'm going to bring up Robbie Freeman again, who had a tweet mm -hmm. like, I'm loving Andor, but who is this Luthen and why am I supposed to know him? Uh, right. And I had like the same feeling. I'm like, are we supposed to know this guy? Yeah, it kind but of no, felt like it. Yeah, he it, he's got like this tinge of like uh, I don't know, like uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, it leads it everybody to be like, me, do I know you? But I don't think we do. It kind of reminds me of the Wolf in Pulp, pulp Fiction. You know, like he's the guy who's in charge and comes in and solves problems, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but no, I don't believe. Hopefully, nobody corrects me. I don't believe he's ever been mentioned okay. before. So yeah. Okay. Um, there's that. Um, so let's move on to Gorn here. Gorn, and again, Gorn is one kind of like the Mon Mothma stuff, kind of like their surreal stuff. I'll just talk about all of his scenes here because it's mm -hmm. kind of interspersed and not a whole lot happens. You kind of see him going through the motions of like, uh, you know, being the boss and then having conversations with people and like uh, kind of setting up towards what this heist is going to be. So I, I don't know. What do you think of Gorn? Um, I mean, again, we get a little bit about his motivations. Like they talk about how he fell in love with a local girl and then, you know, they killed the local girl or the local girl went missing or whatever. And that's why he wants to, you know, go against the empire. Seems a little thin, maybe, you know, for a motivation of like, you know, turning your back. I mean, especially since he seems to be in a position of some power um, with the empire. And so I wonder if that's the whole story, if we really know the whole story about about him. He does obviously set up the heist to some extent when he's like, you know, oh, oh fine, I'll let all of the men go up so they can view the thing, you know. Um, and so he is he is putting it into motion to some extent. It just but it definitely seems like there's maybe a little more going on there than we're letting in on yet. You know, it's interesting because he does seem to like like there are a couple moments where like he kind of turns his back and smirks like he's mm -hmm. really enjoying this like like <laughs> you mentioned with talking to like you know the his his crew or whatever like they basically set up the perfect situation and they're saying exactly right. what he wants to hear which is mm -hmm. oh, we want to be able to get all this done so we can go see the eye and you know we'll leave that we'll leave this place with like a skeleton crew and like that's exactly what he wants right. and right. so when he walks away he's like you know he's kind of like dusting off his shoulders like he's feeling good like i don't know he's his 
you're right. He's got like a different aura to him. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know. There's there's something about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah. So um I talked about this next scene a little bit with uh, you know, they're they're practicing marching again. There's just like like a lot of training in this episode. Uh, you know, they talked to Vel and Cinta. Um, but then TIE fighters show up. They have to like hide their guns and everything. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have anything to add on all this. Not really. I mean, again, it was like, it was just, it was just like a scene in Star Wars that showed their things. And then, and then the TIE fighter came and they hid and nothing happened. It was like, it wasn't even like, you know, the TIE fighter came and then they had to deal with it. It just came and disappeared. It was just like, you know, okay, we hit the guns. Oh, things are stressful. I don't know. Yeah. I will say, like, the TIE Fighter hit for me, though. Like, just seeing it, hearing it, you know, just like the... Uh, it's just such a classic piece of Star Wars. And it kind of... Because there's so much, like, in this series that doesn't feel Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, there's been things that people complain about online. I don't really get into it too much. But, like, they're like, oh, the guns look like AK-47s. Why is this character wearing a hoodie? You know, it's like a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like Star Wars sometimes. But it's like, it's so jarring when you're, like, reminded that, like, here's this TIE fighter and they're still looming over you. Like, uh, I think it, it worked for me. It was the sound that really got to me because the noise of the TIE fighters is so distinctive. And when you hear it coming, it, like, kind of sends chills, you know, because you can really feel, like, what you know what that is. But, um, I mean, that's and so that is, yeah, that's cool. But, I mean, as far as the scene goes, it's just, you know, yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so... I guess this is where we get Debra. And Debra uh, was barely in this episode, but it was some interesting conversations here. She's working with like another officer and they're like going through like different incidences and studying files and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I, I like her little buddy here. Like she's really kind of hyping her up. He's like, yeah, we're going to stay. We're going to, we're going to look at more files still. And uh, he's like, it's my my favorite line. It's too random to be random. And yeah. I think that's yeah. kind of the theme of all this is, um, you know, uh, of, of course. And, and I, actually, this I think this is I think my question is solidified to you because their whole concern is like, oh, there's like little incidences going on. Nothing is really the same, but it's like it's just too weird. And they want to like connect it a little bit. But what's interesting to me is that I feel like we're at this point in the rebellion where like there isn't really a solidified rebellion. There's not one banner right. they're all fighting under, you know, like we have with rebels. There's the ghost crew we have with these guys. They seem to be completely disconnected. And um, I think that's what we even go into in rebels a lot is like, there are these like different factions that all kind of have the same idea, but they, they don't come together just yet. And I think that's, what's really interesting. And, so if you add, if you were to ask me at this point in the timeline, all these random events, I would say that's why, not that they're connected. So right. I guess that's my question to you is like, is there a greater rebellion already that we're not quite privy to yet? I mean, I was reading online and I don't, again, I'm not deep enough in the lore to have picked this up myself, but like the, the events she mentioned actually map to other events in the Star Wars universe. So it's like she mentions Kessel and some of the initial um, uh, the initials activities of the ghost crew in rebels took place at Kessel. And so it's like, and the other one, I forget what the other one was. Um, but, uh, and this is at the same time period because, uh, rebels was five BBY and this is also five BBY. And so it's like, I think, I think you're, I think you're right that it's like, it's, 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 it's one of those things where like a lot of times 
the same idea sparks in different places all at once because of circumstances. And I think do think that's exactly what's going on, that they aren't necessarily linked. And if you look at like the Luthan and Mamatma stuff, they're probably trying to put that together. They're the ones who are trying to bring this all together. Or maybe they're the ones who are funding these different areas in, in an effort to see which ones work and don't. I don't know. That could be something. But I, I agree with you. There's obviously no coordinated rebellion at this point yet. Like that's still a couple of years away. Yeah, so it's going to be kind of interesting to track. She's definitely, she's on to him. She, she's got the right idea, yeah. and uh, we'll see how that uh, manifests itself. So There is also an interesting parallel there in that you look at Surreal, and he got told to do something that he didn't feel was right, and he disobeyed orders, and he got ruined for it. And now we've got Debra here, and she's been given instructions about what to do and to ignore something, and she's not doing it either. So now how's this going to play out for her? I don't know. It's kind of like there's a lot of like different thematic things that, that are carried across these different groups that are kind of interesting. So I guess that means we're going to end up meeting Debra's mom. Of maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe Debra and her little assistant are going to go and like, you know, get get they're going to have to go be roommates in an apartment in the in the shitty part of Coruscant or wherever they are. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, well, next here, uh, this is where my notes get sad. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> we get back to the team. I, I, I wrote they burn the model and drink and stand around. And then the next line is they hike off. So yeah, yeah they're kind of, they're going to do the heights now. Um, but uh, let's see. Well, I was guess this the scene where Skeen pulls the knife on Cassian or is that the next one? Yeah. So this is, this is next here. It, okay, and this yeah. is, again, I think this is probably the more intriguing part of the episode is really following the story between the two and Skeen pulls the Kyber crystal off his neck. And he's like, look, he's being mysterious. He brought this treasure to a heist. Like, what is this guy doing? He won't say what his real agenda is. Like, should we trust him? Um, I don't know. What, what's your take on Skeen here? Is he in the right to like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, is a kyber crystal that sketchy? I don't know. I mean, kyber crystals are a pretty big effing deal in the Star Wars universe, you know, yeah. and it's not like you just come across them every day. So I think I think it's right to be questionable. You know, it's not like you see random dudes walking around with kyber crystals all the time. Um, and so it, I think I think he's right to be suspicious. I think the bigger question is like, a lot of the other people in the group seem to have taken valid or word and said, you know, okay, Val says this guy's okay. We have to trust him and we don't have any choice. Whereas Skeen's been a little more sketched out by him and he even see proof. And it's like, what is it about Skeen that he's like so suspicious that he's like so worried about Andor? And I think, you know, they, they obviously give a little of his backstory here, but it's like, it's a little bit of a payoff because he's right. That is a weird thing, you know? Yeah. And, and again, I think it, they kind of come to, they kind of meet each other in the middle year where they're like, yeah. he's like, well, I haven't really told you anything either. And I've been very like, I, I've completely cut you off. And like, you know, sometimes you got to give a little to get a little, but I think Skeen is the type of guy. Cause we, I, I brushed over this, but he was talking to the, the little nerdy boy. And uh, he, he even said, oh, or the, the boy is like, oh, so you don't trust me because I barely trust you. <laughs> you know, <It's> like, <laughs> I think this is just who he is. Like, I think he's right. going to walk. And I'm probably the same way. If I was in a situation uh, with such high stakes and I'd be like, uh, I don't know if I trust everybody to help me out here. He's like Mr. Pink in Reservoir Dogs. Yes. I keep great... I keep coming up with the Tarantino references today. What's with that? It's totally random. Total yeah. coincidence. I really didn't mean it. <laughs> no, we love to see it. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, this is Andor. He's finally he's gonna admit it. Like uh, yeah, they kind of settled the fight, but he he's like he's like no, this I'm not letting this happen again. So he's like I'm here for the money. All right, guys, what do you want? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and and surprisingly that calms people down a little bit. Like I would think it would make them more suspicious because it's because somebody who's a mercenary who's not there for the cause, you got to be worried that like when things get bad they're gonna take off, right? And so, but but everybody seems to be okay with it. That kind of surprised me. Yeah, I, and again, it's like you kind of have to know the person, right? Like yeah. uh, some people are very money motivated, and like clearly Andor is in this situation. So you know, we know that about him, but they don't know that about him. So yeah, I guess it's like depending on who the person is, that could help his case or hurt his case, and it doesn't really matter because they don't know who he is. So. But right. I, I don't know. You're right. I don't really know how that helps. Yeah. Other than other than that, he's being honest and they appreciate that they finally got the truth, you know. Right. So. Um, OK, so we go back to Mon Mothma here. This is just another scene. I'm trying to like a lot of these like weird scenes. I'm like, I'm really trying to like pick out what is the thing we're supposed to get from this. Right. So she's with her husband in the car. They're kind of talking. She uh, he mentions, why didn't I know about your foundation that you started? And uh, she, she says, uh, I didn't think you'd be interested because it's charitable or something like that, which right, I thought right. that was like a good burn. Again, like this is not a good relationship, but um, it, it makes me wonder, like, what is what is the thing we're supposed to pull from this? And I guess it's the foundation, right? Whatever this charitable thing that she's doing, that has to be what's funding the rebellion. That's my I will. I will say the end of this is a little sketchy because he says, again, he makes a point of not remembering the driver's name twice and then calls him and says, you know, uh, driver, take the highway. And then they kind of veer off in a different direction. And I'm like, I'm wondering if that's like foreshadowing for some nastiness to come. Like is is the is the is, is the husband in on turning her in about something? I mean, we know she doesn't die. But other than that, it's like, is the is the husband does the husband find out that she's hiding something is he turning her into somebody is some is some nastiness of the husband's creation coming i might be reading it too into that but i don't know yeah and that was a, again i'm like what, what am i supposed to get from this whole thing right, i right. thought that that would be like uh you know when he there's a scene where he says take the expressway um right right i think what I got from that, and I could be totally off base, is like that was just to show that this guy's an asshole and didn't take time to learn his driver's name. <laughs> yeah, it, right. Oh, yeah, that's entirely possible, too. Yeah. yeah. I could be thinking about it way too much for sure. Yeah. And, and like even he he's asking Mon, who like clearly is our hero in this situation. She knows. He does not. What does that say about their characters? Right. And uh, I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. Um, I believe that's the last we see of her in this episode, which is, again, it's yeah. like kind of a weird way to leave it, but whatever. <laughs> um so next year they are it's nighttime they're over top the hill and uh they're given they're given like the fire signal to gorn and uh touched on a little bit but this is where skier kind of dives into like uh why he's here for revenge and he talks about his brother who is a farmer the empire took his land i think he implies that like this was an unaliving event for his brother that's what it seemed like to me. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's very sad. Very sad setup here. Um, and I totally get it. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah. More backstory. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and this is also where, um, you know, Vel just randomly hits him with, uh, uh, yeah, this guy's in charge. I'm out. It's like, well, mm-hmm. what, <laughs> what's going on? So. Right. Yeah. I would touch on that enough. But yeah. Um, 
So I think the uh, last scene we get here is with Luthen. Luthen is like, um, again, I know you're not watching all the Marvel shows, but uh, very reminiscent of She-Hulk waiting by her phone, waiting for that guy <laughs> to text her back. Um, that's what this is. Like, she, he's like, he's really like, he's, he's got the radio. He's like, I need updates. I need to know what's going on. And he's got his little assistant too. He's like, all right, chill out. Everything's going to be Yeah, cool. right, right. So, um, you did point out an Easter, uh, an interesting Easter egg to me in the scene. Do you want to set this up? Yeah. So again, this is not something that I spotted. I read about it online, but apparently in his shop, um, there are a set of Saqqara stones from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in the background somewhere. So, um, and apparently there was another uh, Indiana Jones universe uh, Easter egg the week before too that I was reading about, but I've forgotten what that one was. I didn't go in. I didn't dig in the details on that one. But somebody, somebody in the crew is into uh, is into Indiana Jones. Yes. So, uh, no, we love that. Uh, Indiana Jones, of course, is a Lucasfilm project. So we, we there's definitely right. some bridge there. I want I did want to talk tell you about this because this is like one of my favorite little facts that I have about Indiana Jones and Star Wars. There's a comic book called Into the Great Unknown, which is a crossover between Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Basically, Han Solo and Chewie's hyperspace gets messed up they end up crashing <laughs> on earth chewbacca dies wow uh, indiana jones fine i i i might be fudging the details a little bit but it, basically chewbacca is like their excuse for bigfoot now that's where bigfoot came oh. from uh, so indiana jones is looking into all that and i believe han solo and indiana jones like cross paths but oh so it, and harris so harrison ford meets himself Yes. Uh, yes. So, uh, into the great unknown. Just uh, if anybody wants to check that out, it's uh, interesting. Uh, very. Right. Uh, Is that uh, canon? Uh, I wouldn't think so, <laughs> <laughs> because we know Star Wars doesn't like killing Chewbacca. So. Yeah. 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 All right, Greg. That is the end here. Um, I don't know. Is there? Are, are, are you excited? Do you have predictions? How are you feeling? I mean, I think I've given a lot of my predictions already. I think, I think you know, I feel good about it. I've enjoyed every episode. I think, as you said, I'm ready to get to it now, you know, for sure. Um, I, I I think one thing that could be interesting about this, though, it's like, you know, we, we've got this relatively unknown Star Wars character. We know what his end game is, period. Um, but I think we're setting up a really rich set of characters that could spin off and cross into their own shows or appear in later timelines in later shows and stuff like that. And I think that is really cool because, you know, I'm kind of overseeing R2-D2 retconned into every into everything that appears in the Star Wars universe and Luke Skywalker dropped into the Mandalorian. It's like, I love the idea that we're taking relatively unknown characters like Cassian Andor and Mon Mothma and, you know, potentially expanding them out. I mean, they're, and you could dig into, you know, the original trilogy and find tons of characters like that. Boba Fett is a great example too, of one that's now been completely fleshed out and turned into, and then now stuff can spin off from that. Um, and um, like, like, you know, there's the, oh God, I forgot the name of the assassin girl who's played by the woman from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, uh what movie is this in in um book of boba fett and the mandalorian oh yeah oh no don't um <laughs> <laughs> we're both failing yeah um 
But anyways, it's like, I love the idea of expanding this group of characters outside of the original trilogy or from minor characters in the original trilogy and spawning off new universes from them. Like that stuff is great. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of potential here. The filmmaking in the writing is top notch. Um, so I think, I think I I'm very excited about it. I think it's very cool. I'm also very ready for it to get on with it. And, um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of threads out there to tie together and there's a lot of ways it can go. And that's going to be really great. I think. Uh, to answer the question, Fennec Shan played yes, by Ming Nang Thank you. Wen. Yes, so, yes, yes. Uh, uh, she's a great character. She's also she was also in the Bad Batch. Did you watch the Bad Batch? I know you I did. Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we the, did Bad Batch. I like her yeah. in Bad Batch too. So yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, and that, that's an example of a character that's just like uh, somebody that nobody knew, and now has like intercepted three different properties and is mm -hmm. good at it too. So yeah, um, I don't know. Let me ask you this: If there's like one new character here that you want to become like a staple of the Star Wars universe, who would it be? Let's see here. I think, um, I think surreal has potential. I think we'll have to see how it goes. Um, you know, cause there's plenty of history in the history of fiction. There's plenty of times where some random toady makes a fool of themselves and, and there, and that becomes the motivation for them to become a real actual badass. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at like in Buffy, the vampire slayer, you look at like the story of spike. I don't know if you're familiar with Buffy, the vampire slayer, but it's of like, but it's like, um, you know, spike was an embarrassment who turned into a badass in order to fight against their own, their own image of themselves. Right. And so I think there's a lot of potential for surreal to become a real like major villain that could play a part in future things. Um, but as it stands right now, obviously he's not a very compelling character. He's just sad and pathetic. Um, Luthen obviously seems like a, a touch point, especially if it turns out that he's kind of touching hands with all of these different rebellion areas and stuff like that. And becoming like, if him and Mamathma are kind of like the source of a lot of the formation of the original rebellion, you could turn that into something thing obviously um Cashin's crew i'm a little like i'm a little less high on right now i yeah. think we kind of has to see how that goes but those are the two that i could pick out that could potentially turn into something what do you think well i i gotta say i, I don't think luthan makes it out of this alive and i i say mm -hmm. this because he seems like such a key point like he mm -hmm. seems like he seems like mon motha's wingman and you know i feel mm -hmm. like if we if she were to have a wingman, we would have seen him. Mm. And uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because we know my Mothma makes it out. Yeah. Um, now, Cyril, I think what you brought up is interesting. I think there could be a really interesting arc where he is like this troubled kid and turns into like, dare I say, like a Cad Bane type character. That's, right. Like, yeah. Total badass. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're on track there. That would be really cool. Um, Greg, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, sure, you're, you're, my pleasure. Anytime. Always a blast. Uh, yeah. Whenever a Star Wars show comes out, I'm like, I got to get Greg on here. So thank you for doing it. Uh, I well, want to give you a you. chance to tell people what you're up to and where they can find you online. Um, God, what am I up to? I mean, I don't know. I'm writing a book, but that's <gasps> not very, it's not anything interesting to anybody who's listening to this, unless you're very, very into uh, content management systems. So um that's happening and it's eating up a lot of my time. Um, baseball season just ended. That was eating up a lot of my time for a while. Um, other than that, you know, Survivor just started. Um, I have become embarrassingly obsessed with Are You the One? Um, and uh, that's really kind of, I can't believe I just admitted that in public. And um, 
yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, they just announced that Australian Survivor is going to be Heroes versus Villains next season. So that's you seen that really cast? Great. I think I have seen. I've seen some of the cast. Yes. I had guessed some of it. My wife is very into a lot of the Australian Survivor players, and many of them had a very noticeable disappearances this summer from social media. And so it was like, mm. oh, this person's playing and that person's playing. So I think it'll be interesting. I don't usually like returnee versus newbie casts very much because it's just the returnees always just mop the floor with the newbies and it's not very exciting but we'll have to see we'll have to see how that goes um but yeah they're not you know that's what's going on with me if anybody wants to find me if they want to hear about uh reality tv and other nerdy things like that they can follow me at jason's underscore stick on twitter and if you want to hear about uh technology and work and boring things in baseball then you can follow me at greg d dunlap on twitter and yeah Greg, I, I just I, I want to go back to the heroes versus villains thing because I got to get your take on this. You know what this All is? Right. This is fascinating. We're at the end here. Yeah, if you, if you hate reality TV, you could turn it off. But this is so. <laughs> this is one of the most fascinating themes for, and, and I know it's been done before, but this particular theme is fascinating to me because in the original heroes versus villains, you are placed on the tribe based on the game that you played. Right. They are casting real life villains. <laughs> yeah i know but then again it's like it's like how is this gonna mix up like spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know anything about the australian survivor cast all right but like is george a villain right because i think george is kind of villainous like you you you're gonna convince me that george is a hero i not sure i buy that you know shawnee hero fine easy yeah. easy christy hero yeah but are they trying to say that the returnees are heroes and and the non-returnees are villains and yes you're right like i was reading this whole thing about like the woman who was on real housewives of australia and got like kicked out and their whole season imploded so badly that they're canceling the show or something yeah. like that like i don't know the whole backstory but it's like it does sound like actual like shitty people like do you yeah. do you know do you know something about more that's the only person other person other than returnees i know about like what else do you have you heard uh i saw the thing but i there was a lot I, you know it was george and Haley. really really right, excited to see right. them back um but then the rest were kind of like weird choices to me they're like I, I don't even really remember i'm a very big australian survivor casual but mm -hmm. um i believe the theme is like actually i'm guessing i have no idea um but i would guess it's like uh, villains tribe like uh, you know five returnees and five newbies heroes mm -hmm. tribe five returnees and five that's how i saw it going yeah i, I mean i would think so yeah, yeah. but all right we'll spare you guys from uh <laughs> the we can do maybe we can do a one-off australian survivor podcast when the cast officially drops or something i won't fight you on that okay. so uh <laughs> we'll talk all right um, all right but I will start to close this out here. I'd like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. Also, please subscribe because we're going to be here every single week talking about Andor, She-Hulk, and uh, World by Night. I think that dropped today. I haven't watched it. Um, that's like the... What's uh, that? That is the uh, Marvel Halloween special. Um, ah. it's, basically, it's a new character. Um, he's a werewolf. And... It, the reviews are really good. I keep hearing it's the best Marvel thing in a very long time. So, um, of the new shows, what would you recommend? Like, I haven't, I haven't even seen Wandavision. So, like, I'm, I'm very, very far behind. Like, like End Endgame. I guess I saw one of the movies since then, but it's like basically post Endgame. I've been completely on to, off the map on Marvel stuff at this point. 
I would say Hawkeye is a good one. Uh, oh, I did see Hawkeye. Yes, I watched okay. that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hawkeye is a good one. To, if if like that, if you're just like if you're just gonna watch something directly after Endgame, yeah, I think yeah. that's a good one. Um, Loki is very interesting in setting up what's to come for future Marvel movies, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's like a lot of them are just introducing new characters that I, you don't mm. really like. Yeah, you're gonna see them in the next Avengers movie. You know, like Miss Marvel, Moon Knight. Uh, she hoped, but none of them are that great. Yeah. <laughs> so you can skip them or watch a All YouTube right. video on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Loki, Hawkeye, and WandaVision. Um, I don't know. Some people like it. Some people don't. It's interesting. It's very different than anything else. It's It was really weird because WandaVision came out and like um, really like set a weird tone for what Marvel shows could be. And then they were all very different than one. I don't. It was a very weird show. <laughs> I really um, love Hawkeye. So yeah, Hawkeye's great. Hawkeye's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, but yes, also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Pod. Also, we have a little Discord community. So if that's something you're interested in, you can hit us up and we will get you in there. But that is all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. You might as well wear a sign that says, "I promise to disappoint you." <laughs> <laughs>